following is a live sermon from the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. We are a non-denominational congregation that meets in Fairfield, Connecticut. We serve Fairfield all the way through New Haven. For more information about our ministry, check us out online at sctcoc.org. Hey, Southern Connecticut Church. Uh, This is Tim Blake. I... My wife and I actually have the privilege of serving up in Hartford at the heart, the Great Harvard Church of Christ. I'm grateful to be able to share with y'all today. Appreciate the Sackingers entrusting me with their family uh, while they are on vacation. And I wanted to be able to share with y'all today from Philippians chapter one. But I appreciate so much Southern Church. Uh, I know we had our all-con service together, which is fun. Being able to see the Genovas, Joel and Lolly. And I uh, keep up with some of y'all on Facebook. Stinny. Stinny got a girlfriend? Whoa, God is good. God is good. Amen. Uh, We're going to look at Philippians chapter 1 today. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. The title of our lesson is Whatever Happens. Whatever Happens. And it comes from one of my favorite passages in scriptures, one of the more convicting passages. Uh, And I don't know about you, but for me, uh, this has been a, uh, yeah, this has been an anxiety-ridden time and a time of, it's been a lot. <laughs> it's been a lot. And I was praying through this, and as Jeff asked me to share, and I thought, this scripture just keeps coming to my head. It's just been, it's been on my spirit, it's been in my head, whatever happens. And Maybe you, like me, uh, with the first and foremost, having all your plans changed for the year. I was supposed to be in St. Lucia uh, for the better part of the month of July uh, after our vision conference in Orlando. And all that's gone. And my family and I, you know, we had a bunch of things that we would like to have done. But God said something different. And so uh, teaching teaching us to put all of our plans in pencil, right? But I know that can that can be challenging. So then you you got the pandemic, which is one. Then two, uh, all of a sudden America realized how racist it had been and how much racial oppression has been involved. And even in the church, uh, discovering how the layers uh, have impacted us, even as Christians, even as disciples, we really do love one another. Uh, and myself, just leading a church, uh, having to manage all kinds of difference in all kind of different. Uh, attitudes with all that, uh, not to mention my own personal things to go along with that. It has been an amazing year. And this scripture helps me. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, Paul writes, while he's in prison, it's one of the, what they call the prison epistles. And he's writing there uh, to encourage the church in Philippi. He's writing there uh, to help them to get their focus straight and to deal with some of the, the dynamics that were going on uh, within their congregation and within their region. In Philippians chapter 1, in verse 27. Let's see if I can find it. Here we go. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are, are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here I still have. And again, Paul was referring to his time there in prison. And um, this is such an impacting passage for me. And we've got three simple points. I'm going to try to make them as simple as possible. I understand this dynamic. It is very challenging to keep your attention. And I know especially for your teens, uh, keep your attention. I know as I was a teen, especially if I had a smartphone, please, it'll be, it'll be, it's hard enough now as a 50-year-old man. So I will do my best uh, to help us to maintain our attention and our focus on Scripture. We can really take some things away that will help us grow closer to God. Title of the lessons, whatever happens. I got three simple points. Whatever will happen. Whatever will happen. Point number two, you got to conduct yourself. And point number three, got to live in a worthy manner. Got to live in a worthy manner. He starts out and he says, whatever happens. And our point number one is whatever will happen. And I've been a Christian now 31 years, June 16th past 31 years, I was 19 year old pagan when I got baptized and I didn't know anything about the scriptures. I just knew once I studied the Bible, I knew I was lost. I knew I needed a relationship with God. I wanted a relationship with God. I fell in love with God as I studied the Bible and got baptized at one in the morning uh, in a jacuzzi in San Diego. That's the way we did it out there. Uh, and I thought, man, things are going to be great now. I have made the right decision. I have done right by God. I got baptized, said, Jesus, Lord, I'm ready to go. I'm sharing my faith. Everything's going to work out. I will finish college quickly. I will find a wife quickly. Once I developed a, 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 a passion for uh, being in paid ministry, I was like, that's what I want to do. I'm going to lead, get married, be in paid ministry. I'll lead a church at 25 years old, and the rest of my life will be a fairy tale. And I thought that because I had not read the Bible thoroughly enough. I had enough faith to be saved, but I had a lot more to learn because there were tons of passages similar to this that I had not focused in on and had not grasped. Whatever will happen uh, during my 30 plus years as a Christian, I've had health challenges. I think I've had like uh, one, two, three. I've had about five surgeries. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, I've... Uh, gotten older, uh, I have, that's what happens generally, you stay around long enough, uh, but my, I've been married, I've lost parents, um, lost both of my parents who studied the Bible, they did not choose to make Jesus Lord of their lives, they, even though they had studied the Bible, uh, I've lost grandparents, uh, my wife and I, we lost a child in 2008, uh, those things are challenging, I was not, when I got baptized, I wasn't thinking, Oh, this is going to happen. I thought, oh man, surely my, my whole family, they'll become the Christians. And, you know, all these things will, all these great things will happen. And I'll, you know, I will go from kind of uh, strength to strength to glory to glory, uh, kind of taking that from uh, Corinthians. And hasn't exactly gone that way. 
And I know even this year, it's kind of been that way. It's like, man, I thought we had all these great plans. We're in the middle of, a, at the end of a four-year theme, to loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This year, loving God with all our strength, working on our community groups, our family groups. We're going to our neighborhoods. We're going to do it. And then God shut everything down. And so I know what can happen when whatever happens is it can cause us to doubt God. Like, why did I even pray? I mustered up all this faith. I was in my scriptures. I was praying. I was fasting. I was mustering up all this faith. And God did what he wanted to do anyway. And then all of a sudden, our prayers aren't as fervent. Our, our hope, our faith is what, what happens is when whatever happens, whatever the circumstance, we realize that our faith cannot be in God. And our faith can be in what we hoped our faith can be in our desires. Our faith can be in a lot of things, but actually not a trust in God. And I've had to ask myself, man, where is my faith in God? Where is my trust as life has happened? Uh, been laid off. I was in paid ministry and we got laid off in 2003. And it was my dream job. It's the only thing in my life that I've ever really had a passion to do. And I was like, man, I'm living my dream. Married my wife. We're on the same page. Things are going great. And then... They weren't. And at that point I had asked, I had to, I realized that I had stopped praying in the same fashion. I didn't pray with the expectant faith uh, because the, I had more faith in the things that I wanted than in God and in his plan. And you know, it's something very funny about that too. Uh, I know I've shared a lot of the negative things that can happen with whatever happens, but also on the flip side, when we get blessed, and there are great things that happen. Becoming a Christian, uh, for those studying the Bible, you become a Christian, you're like, oh, that's great. You know, I've arrived. And that whatever can happen. You get blessed, you graduate college, you get a great job. Maybe you get the girlfriend of your dream like Stenny. You get all these things and they happen. And then all of a sudden, you get so many blessings, you're not praying as much. You're not as generous as you once were. All of a sudden, your hunger for the word isn't the same as it was. Your level of sacrifice has died down. I've seen people that have prayed to have children. And all of a sudden, God bless them with children. And all the prayers and the faith, all the stuff they had before is now died down. Because now they are worshiping the gift as opposed to the giver. And we've got to ask ourselves how we respond when great things happen or when really challenging things happen. But the, the thing that all of us need to understand is that whatever is going to happen, you stick it out with God, and guess what? You're going to get challenges. There's no way you can read your Bible and look at all the different great men and women of faith and not see that, wow, they went through it. We, I know people love to share about Ruth. Oh, wow, you know, Ruth is such an amazing woman of faith. She went through it. They were hungry. <laughs> they were starving. <laughs> they went through it before God came through. David went through it as a result of his own sin. Sometimes whatever happens as a consequences for our sin. And we think, oh, if I just confess it, then it'll just kind of, the consequences may not manifest themselves. And we still have to deal with consequences. So that whatever can happen. So there's so many different things. Scripturally, we look in the Bible, we see all, the, they all went through it. Uh, some got a lot of blessings and it exposed their hearts. Some had incredible challenges and exposed their hearts. But if we're going to walk with God, if we're going to have a relationship with God, whatever's going to happen, the great thing about this is, for those of us that stick it out with God, that it doesn't matter what comes, God will take us through it. He'll deliver us through it. 
He'll walk us through it. He'll guide us through the blessings. He'll help us to use it for his glory. Through the challenges, through, even through our own sin and our mistakes, he will lead us to his glory through that. But whatever will happen, Christian or not, and I know it can be challenging, especially the younger you are, you think, man, I'm a Christian, everything's going to go well. If you're, you've got to read your Bible a bit deeper. Uh, and for those of us that have been blessed and feels like everything is coming up roses, you also got to look at that and like, how am I responding to God? Is this about God or is this about the gifts that God has given? Whatever will happen to each one of us. Point number two. We've got to conduct ourselves. Paul says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves. And here, I think it's important that we all grasp, and this sounds like a very basic point, but when whatever happens in our lives, when whatever comes, good, bad, whatever comes, we are responsible for how we conduct ourselves with God. We are responsible for our response. It's the only thing we can control. That's it. My wife and my, my kids, they're out right now. Uh, and I have no idea uh, if they'll make it home. And that's, a, that's just a reality. There's a faith there. I trust God. I, I don't, you know, I'm not anxious about that. But my point is that I can only control my response. I can't control the weather. I can't control the financial dynamics of our country. I can't control the political dynamics. Uh, I can't control how we're going to respond to all this racial oppression, thing, the things that have come out. I can't respond. Uh, I, I can't um, control how the country is going to respond to that. I can't control how the church is going to respond. I can't control a lot of things. The one thing I can control, though, is my response how I conduct myself in response to whatever happens. That's how, that's what I have control over. And here, I'm gonna give you a quick, uh, give you a, a quick, uh, I don't know, secret, life hack, spiritual life hack. If you do five things over and over and over again in your conduct, you'll be fine. Not saying it'll be easy, but you'll be fine. Five things. And for those of us that have said Jesus the Lord, for those of us that have become Christians, uh, we've done these five things. And if you have done well, uh, you have applied these same five things over and over. Christianity is really easy. A walk with God is really easy. If you're studying the Bible, it's really easy. Uh, it's hard, but it's easy. It's weird. Okay. One, you pray. We can always control how much we pray. We can control what we pray. We can control the sincerity and honesty of our prayer, but we pray. Two, we dig into God's word. We have more access to God's word and more resources for God's word than ever before. Uh, we have uh, Greek Hebrew study Bibles. If you're in the Bema podcast, Bema, if you're into the Bema podcast stuff, uh, there's a Bible project to break it on down visual. If you're a visual person, whatever it is. Uh, there are so many different resources and commentary. We have more access to information, but you got to dig in your Bible. You got to open up that Bible and you got to dig and you got to pray, God, help me through this. Every situation that happens, when whatever happens, we have God's word that we can go back to for guidance, uh, to give us the word of how to correct us, examples to follow. We have it all right here in the word. Thirdly, we've got relationships with other Christians. 
And those relationships, the purpose for them, if you read James 5, 16, there's a confession component. Also, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, there's a confession component where we confess to one another. We're open, we're vulnerable with what's really going on in our lives. Jesus set a great example. Uh, we can read, you can take in Matthew chapter 26, 36 to 39, when he took his disciples to the garden before he was about to be crucified. And he said, he, he said my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He was vulnerable about what was really going on inside. You can read John chapter 12, uh, where he talked about he had a baptism to undergo, that he was distressed until it was completed. Uh, also in Luke chapter 12, he shares the same sentiment. Uh, as Jesus was vulnerable often about how he felt. But we need one another, those one another relationships. If Jesus needs them, we need them. We use those relationships in our lives uh, to, to bounce things off of. We get healing, we get prayer. Uh, we get to hear people who've overcome some of the things that we've gone through. Fourth, you gotta take the input of the people that are in your life all throughout Old Testament to New Testament. Uh, the Bible talks about how we need to take input and advice from spiritual people, from people that can actually guide us toward God. Uh, there are people in my life, literally Jeff and Florence are great examples in their marriage. Uh, so my wife and I, we, we try to get with them once a month. The pandemic has kind of slowed down that frequency, uh, but we we get with them to sit and just, I just talk and ask questions and, and bounce things off of them, uh, be it from parenting to our marriage life. Man, you name it. I get advice about everything, uh, sex life, uh, finances, whatever it is, ministry, I need help. I've never done this before. Guess what? You need help. You've never done it before. You do those things. You're responsible for that. You can get that input. Uh, you got to be responsible for taking that input. And for some of us, man, especially for those not younger Christians, but those of us that are older in the faith, man, we're the worst. We are the worst. We get to this place of comfort and then we think, oh, I'm good. You know, we don't have any, I'm not having any massive issues or problems. Kind of all my loud sin is done, but we stop growing and we, we need to take input from other people. That's how we grow and get better. Uh, I got tons of great examples in the Hartford Church of Brothers that are better dads than me naturally. They are fun dads. I'm not fun dad. They are fun guys. And I watch them and try to learn from them in great ways. Uh, lastly, number five, number five, you got to persevere. You're responsible for your perseverance. I love Hebrews chapter 10, uh, where in verse 36, he says, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Perseverance is a key component in making it to heaven. We're responsible for our perseverance. There are times I have slowed down. There are times I've wanted to quit. There are times basically I quit. And, and uh, I've had to come back and get back up again. And scripture talks about over and over again uh, in Proverbs, Ecclesiastes about, man, it's not about how many, about the times you fall, but it's about getting back up. Uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter nine, I think it says a live dog is better than a dead lion. While there is breath, there is hope. While you got life in you, there's hope. So don't quit. And for some of us, even during this time, it is so, uh, things can be so overwhelming. We want to quit. And God's call for us is not to quit, but to persevere. So you do those five things. Pray. That's how I know I got here. I got to being a Christian. I prayed. Studied my Bible. I was open and vulnerable and relied on the relationships. Took input into my life. And five, I've had to persevere. And I'm not done yet. I'm 31 years in. Uh, I've fallen. I've failed a lot. I've done some dumb stuff. And so I just would just encourage you, even if you've done some dumb stuff, 
the one thing you can change is your response to that. You go to God you in Bible and prayer. You go to your brothers and sisters and get help. Take the input you're given. Uh, it, it will help you. Uh, and if you're skeptical on the input, bounce it off a couple different people, not to hear what you want to hear, but to make sure that you're, that people that know you can give you the right input from the scripture and guide you back to God. And lastly, persevere. God can't quit. We, we're responsible for how we conduct ourselves. When whatever happens, that's those five things. We do those no matter what. Doesn't matter if you're a teen, a campus student, single, doesn't matter if you're married, kids, empty nester, retiree, widow, single parent, doesn't matter. You do those five things and you apply them to whatever part of uh, whatever part of your life and God will bless that. We see those scripturally over and over and over again. We are responsible for how we conduct ourselves. Great example is Jesus on the cross. My favorite. I, I believe it's the greatest miracle uh, that Jesus did. More than walking on water, feeding thousands. Uh, you know, that's say, yeah, walking on water, turning water to wine. His most miraculous feat was when he was on that cross. And people were, were cursing him while he's on the cross. He had already been beaten and spit upon. He had already been disrespected, dishonored. And now they're heaping abuse on him while he's nailed to the cross. They're casting lots for his clothes. You read in Luke chapter 20, they're cast, the Roman soldiers are casting lots for his clothes. See who's going to get his clothes. Uh, his, uh, there's a thief or there's a, a guy on the cross next to him mocking him. And uh, there were two, and it seems to be that one repented. And Jesus, as he looks around, he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Even through all the people cursing him, he sees his mom and he sees the apostle John and he says, Mother, this is your son. Son, this is your mother. With the guy on the cross next to him, one of them, the guy looks at him and says, Hey, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus, even in the midst of his own pain, he chose to respond to God and not his circumstances. And for a lot of us, it's challenging is we respond to our circumstances, our atmosphere, our environment too much. And we I know for me, it's challenging. Uh, the racial stuff that I've been feeling and dealing with for years, you know, some even in the church and you're feeling all this stuff and then you're trying to help other people find God through it all. And uh, for some people finding uh, comfort and dealing with their anger for other people, uh, maybe dealing with some denial and all those things or those people that are just discovering, wow, I didn't realize how much my brothers and sisters were hurting. I didn't realize even my own, how ignorant I've been. So you're dealing with all those things coming and then your own personal stuff. And I'm like, whoa, it's a lot. And Jesus amazes me because even though he's going through his own pain, his own personal things, he's trying to connect with God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me feeling that separation? He's going through all of that, but yet he's able to say, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Son, here's your mother, mother, here's your son. He's able to look at the guy next to him and say, today you're going to be with me in paradise. That's incredible. And if Jesus can do that, I can conduct myself. I can conduct myself, and I even have the Holy Spirit that will help guide me. It says in Romans 8, guide me through prayer. The Holy Spirit will guide me in, in what to say. The Holy Spirit will strengthen me. If Jesus could do it, I, I can do this. 
and you can do this, but we're responsible for how we conduct ourselves. It's the one thing we can control in all the uncontrolled, in all these variables. The one thing we can control every morning is how we conduct ourselves. Lastly, he says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. A worthy manner. So it's whatever, which is going to happen. Conduct yourselves, and here's the kicker, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And I want to, uh, many of you have seen the movie Saving Private Ryan. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. And uh, the whole theme of the movie is set in World War II, and Tom Hanks is a, a sergeant, and his squad of soldiers is tasked with finding this Private Ryan, whose brothers had all been killed. Uh, in World War II, and so he was the last Ryan brother, and uh, someone brought it to the general's attention, and they didn't want her to lose all of her sons, and so they sent this squad of soldiers led by Tom Hanks to go find Private Ryan, who's Matt Damon. In any case, they find him, and it, it just, there's a whole thing about how they find him and, and get to him, and basically, spoiler alert, almost everybody dies except for Private Ryan. Now, mind you, the movie came out in 1998, so if you're mad, sorry. Uh, but in any case, so everybody has died almost, and at this last scene, uh, Tom Hanks, he as he is dying, he grabs Private Ryan, and he says, earn this. Earn this. And in the midst of all the destruction going around, and literally soldiers, his comrades there had are, were dying, and they lost their lives, and he just said, earn this. And... At the end of the at the end of the movie, as he's uh, they they kind of move to the future, and he's sitting there over the gravestone of these guys and with his family, and basically he's he's crying and he's basically he he he's hoping that he earned it. And really, for us, the whole idea of living in a worthy manner is living our lives through the lens and living our lives with the with the background and the foreground of everything we do being based upon the blood of Jesus. And it's the gospel. It's he died for us. He took a punishment for us because we couldn't do it for ourselves. We couldn't redeem ourselves. Uh, we are flawed. From the moment we choose to sin, we are flawed. From the moment we choose to sin, uh, we're messed up. We need redemption. We need a sacrifice to be able to break down the wall of sin between us and the Father, and Jesus did it. He did it willingly. Uh, he did it with all the challenges. He didn't, he didn't run from any of the suffering. And uh, I like the great scripture in Romans, I'm sorry, Romans, Hebrews chapter 10. And as an author here is writing to, the, uh, to this Jewish, primarily Jewish Christian church, and he's encouraging them. In, in verse 26, it's basically they were drifting. They hadn't responded well to their whatever. They were under persecution and all these things that were happening with them. Verse 26 of chapter 10 of Hebrews, it writes, the author writes, he says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone, a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? 
For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay. And again, the Lord judges his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. That's a whole sermon. But he says here, he says, how much more severely do you think someone deserves uh, to be punished who's trampled the Son of God underfoot, who's treated as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them? And the whole idea is that Jesus' blood is so precious. He spilled it for us. Jesus' blood is so... Uh, uh, it, it's it's holy, it's special, it's sacred, and when Paul writes, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of that. And in my mind, when I hear that, it's earn this. When I read about the cross, it's earn this. Now, mind you, we can't earn it. Jesus died while I was his enemy. It says in Romans chapter five. While I was while we were enemies. Jesus said, no, I'm, I'm going to take this punishment. He loved us enough and believed in us enough that we would respond to his blood being shed. So you can't earn it. There's no amount, there's no merit-based salvation. Don't work that way. It is purely based upon the grace of God, his choice to forgive us, his choice to allow us uh, to come in contact with the blood of Jesus through baptism, where all of our sins are washed away. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit. So we can't earn this thing, right? We can't earn there's grace, but in our responses to the things that happen in life, to our responses to one another, our generosity, our love, uh, our holiness, and we can live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. We can live a life. I know for myself personally, there are times when I struggle and I want to be mad and angry. There's so much stuff, especially if you're getting into all the political stuff, you're getting all the race, man, it, it especially uh, as a, a black man, and I'm a Christian first, but I'm black, that's context, man, it can be infuriating. Uh, so many things can make you furious. But I look at Jesus, and my wife helps me with this all the time, uh, with my sons. And I remember I was so upset with my sons because my sons, I'm like, why am I telling them 10,000 times to do the same three things? Pick up your shoes, take out the trash, take out the recycling, stop dropping food on the floor. I'm like, on repeat, right? And I'm like, I'm, I'm just frustrated. My wife is looking at me as I'm seething and she's like, do you respond to God that same way every time he asks you to do something? Is there anything maybe that he's had to ask you to do over and over again and maybe you haven't gotten it? Basically, she just slap me in the face uh, with a smile and all the gentleness in the world. Uh, but I knew what she was doing. Uh, I felt it in my soul. Any case, <laughs> the, that right there helped, helped me to have the grace that's commensurate with Jesus' blood. Like, oh, okay, I need to chill out. In marriage, we can get so self-righteous and so, man, why don't they just get it? Why doesn't my husband get it? Why doesn't my wife get it? And I was having a talk with a brother the other day who's just he's just kind of done. He was like, man, I'm, I'm just done with my wife. And I, and I asked him, I said, because I've known him for a while, I said, so when you were in this sin, did God just say I'm done? And he was like, oh. I said, yeah, did you get it like the first time, the tenth time? Did God have grace? He was like, oh. And guess what? <laughs> you and I are the same. 
And so when you talk about a worthy manner, worthy is showing grace. It's showing grace to people who aren't getting it. It's showing grace uh, to people who are just obstinate. It's because that's us, Luke chapter 6, where Jesus says, what good is it to love people who love you? That's not a benefit. It's like, be like your father in heaven. He loves the ungrateful and the sinners. I'm like, Jesus just slapping you in the face. You know, that's that's how we need to respond. That's a worthy manner. That's a worthy response is with grace. Sometimes it's with truth. Like, man, I need to speak the truth in this circumstance situation. A lot of us we don't like to tell the truth because we're afraid to risk relationships, not realizing we risk our relationship with God because we're not willing to speak the truth to our brothers and sisters or our friends or our family that need it. Uh, we are so afraid of losing them, even studying the Bible, we're so afraid of losing them that we don't speak the truth. And it doesn't honor the blood of Jesus. Jesus died because the Father wants worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4. And so we're called, as the Apostle Paul here is, he's called in the Philippian church. He says, whatever happens and whatever will happen, if it hasn't happened yet, it's coming. Good or bad, it's coming. Whatever will happen, conduct yourself, choose how you respond. Remember those five things, read, pray, relationships, vulnerability, uh, heed advice and persevere. And then lastly, in a work, live in a worthy manner, conduct yourself in a manner worthy. Uh, that's with grace and with truth. Uh, we show grace to one another and love to one another, and we speak the truth to one another. That's love as well. Imagine if all of us are responding that way in this world. People will look at us, and, and he, he goes on in uh, Philippians where Paul says, look, that'll be a sign to the world as we contend as one man. People will look at us and like, whoa, there's something different there. Basically, they are seeing Jesus through us and it makes a big difference our world needs a whole lot of jesus it always has but now it's even more pronounced we need a whole lot of jesus and god has called us and he says whatever happens conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of christ thank you so much i love y'all i'm grateful i can't wait to see your faces again um Thank you for allowing me to share. Love you. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.